0: Did you get it? I have dry lips and I'm ready to chat. He's got lips. He's
1: got lips (laughs) and he's ready to chat. And he says bonus. Bonus what? (sighs) Bonus episode. We haven't done one of those in forever. Well. The bonus boner episodes?
0: Oh, do I ever
1: can't forget those they were something else
0: those are the everlasting episodes we just spent i don't know how (laughs) long
1: i guess it was it was maybe like 15 to 20 minutes trying to figure life out And i think we finally sorted it out so yay for us
0: let's hope so
1: i mean if all of a sudden this episode just ends clearly we didn't figure anything out We just kept messing around. Anyway, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. Hello, sir.
0: Hey, what's up? Nice to see you. Nice, nice. to not be seeing the uh, snow outside. Yeah, I don't have to did look at the window. Get,
1: did you guys get snow?
0: Oh, way too much. Yeah, like on the on this past weekend
1: uh like the last two days okay so we got we got our snow maybe it went to you after us because we got it saturday night i think okay late saturday afternoon it started snowing and blowing and it was like it was one of those snowfalls where i was like okay maybe we'll get like a little bit and then it just kept going yep but it made for wicked snowball snow on sunday though and it's pretty much gone now so i mean whatever no harm no foul
0: Uh, right ours ours is still here and we'll be here for a bit still
1: that's too bad we're gonna be like close to 20 degrees later this week oh nice so yeah it'll be uh, the the past few years now having said all this i was looking and this episode comes out i think at by the time it comes out it'll be the very end of april so i don't know what the weather will be like when it's out But yeah <laughs> at, <so. laughs> at this time at this time um spring has been weird here i feel like the last few years like we get really hot in the spring and then summer is kind of mild so we'll see if that's what we get Like I I remember, the last couple years, it feels like in May we get a couple days of like or a stretch of like near 30 degrees, and then a a lot of summer is kind of like the low 20s and cloudy and what have you. I think we may have had a late summer heat wave last year too, but I was also driving across the country, so I drove through a heat wave on my way, which was horrendous. (laughs) Global
0: warming, man.
1: Right? Yeah, sure. We could say that. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Me neither. I'm not a scientist. Gosh, I just host a podcast where we talk about music that we listened to when we were teenagers, except, well, this episode, all of this stuff that I'm going to talk about. Yeah, it's a bit not different. From, yeah, not from when I was a teenager, but from when I was a full grown adult. Some of the stuff that's on your list is if we're teasing it a little bit is stuff from closer to when as we were teenagers anyway. Um, yeah one one at least one at least yeah and even then i feel like it would have been by the time it came uh i guess maybe tail end of my teenage years
0: yeah see, i graduated high school so okay
1: there you go there you go um but yeah we're talking about hopeless records this is part one of our two-part uh look at hopeless records part two comes next week and I just finished editing the episode earlier today, so it's fresh in my memory, but it's with uh, Bassey or James Karajosis of uh, Between You and Me. And he actually just, this is kind of a side note, he just shared with me, uh, he's in another band that he, pl- so he plays bass in Between You and Me, probably does some backup vocals I'd assume too, I'm not 100% sure, but he plays bass in Between You and Me and he actually plays guitar and sings lead vocals in a band called Bukowski. And he just shared me, like, their latest song that's coming out um, in a few weeks still. But, uh, yeah, it's it's so good. I'm so awesome. pumped for that. But um, the interview with James, that's coming out next week. He shares his five favorite releases from Hopeless Records. And, yeah, like I said, I just finished editing it. We had a ton of fun. Uh, he's on the other side of the world in Australia. And he looks, yeah. he looks like a... I, was, I laugh at the just video just a sweet well, hunk he of just, a man just looks like yeah like uh, some kind of like sunshine <laughs> god in his <laughs> in his zoom chat because he's it's
0: beautiful you if anything if Is you're he on pick, the beach shirtless while he's doing the interview or
1: what <laughs> he's, he's Darn near close. Uh (laughs) if you're ever going to choose one video, if you just listen to this podcast and you never watch the stuff that we have on our YouTube channel, if you're gonna pick one video to watch, that is the one. And uh yeah, it's it was a good time. But uh (laughs) this week, of course, is our look at hopeless records. We're gonna share our favorite five releases. Do you remember uh when you would have first heard about Hopeless Records?
0: I believe it was from a comp, as with many labels. I think it was called Hopelessly Devoted to You. I'm not sure what year it came out. And, I mean, it would have had a whole different slew of bands Mm -hmm. um, from back then, from a lot of the bands we're talking to now. Um, But they also had, like, the Sub City Records, which was kind of a part of the label, and that, that had a compilation as well. And so I think the first probably handful of releases from them I would have heard would definitely would have been the compilations.
1: Right. Okay. So, because I, I could not pinpoint. I'm just looking up right now to see when Hopelessly Devoted to You came out. Holy crap. Really? 1996. Yeah. Well, one's when... about right. Okay. So, like, because for me, like, Hopeless Records, uh, I think I was, I was a little bit surprised when looking at, you know, kind of going through their discography on Discogs and seeing, like, oh, they've actually been around for a while, which sort of makes sense because when I first... Again, I, I don't think I could pinpoint and you'll see by the by the records that I picked in my top five I don't know if I could pinpoint when I heard about the label or really familiarize myself with who was on the label um, but I think you know maybe there was a part of me that went oh yeah they've been around for a while uh, and looking at this there's there's some all right like guttermouth was on that uh, yep. 88 fingers Louie uh, which' is interesting because the first song on this compilation was hopeless by guttermouth. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> the theme I song i wonder if this is like is is this what no let's just see if this is what started it all for hopeless records or not like a lot of labels started by doing that right like compilations right. and and various things like that um if i can figure out an internet browser i could <laughs> yeah let's see what the first release on hopeless records was according to discogs the first release on hopeless records came out in 1993 and it was gutter mouth 11 ounces uh, it was a seven-inch that came out in 1993. So we should have—I should have done this. Why didn't I do this? Hopeless Records. I want to see who, you know, who started it. Because what was, um, what was the label that was started by someone from Less Than Jake?
0: Uh, Pete. Well, I think Paper and Plastics a newer one, but was fueled by Ramen. Was it fueled by Ramen? Okay, I yeah, think that I think sounds so, right. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so Hopeless Records was founded in 1993 by Louis Pos- Louis. I don't know if it's Louis or Louis Posen Posen. Uh, the label's artists are generally considered to fall under the genres of punk rock, pop punk, post hardcore, and alternative rock. But some elements include heavy metal. All right, cool. Uh, that didn't really tell me. I was the label's charitable arm, City Records, produces the annual annual Take Action tour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, yeah. Interesting. Like I think. I think probably when it boils down to it, I I, I heard about hopeless records at some point in time, um, but it was only more recently that they kind of became a label that I paid more attention to. Uh, so anyway, let's get into, let's get into our, our, our five picks. So as has been the case through this whole series, we kind of been fine tuning it as we go. Uh, we have five. We each picked five albums and you can only have one album per band. So really, in a, in some cases, it's more just our five favorite artists that are on hopeless in some instances or on these labels. And um, you'll also notice that some of these picks, like, for instance, there's I know one that you picked that I left off my list because you picked it. So right. I thought we don't need to double up. We get to both talk about it anyway. So we will get to it. But why don't you start with uh, your first pick on the list?
0: Yeah, I just wanted a few things. I um I feel like with Hopeless they had a lot of bands in those earlier years, but it in the last decade or so is when they when they got bands that really kind of, you know, exploded or were a lot more um kind of in the mainstream so to speak. Right. Which is which is kind of unique. I mean some that's not necessarily unique to itself, but um yeah, like when you say like gutter mouth and some of those earlier bands, it's like, yeah, okay, like you know those are kind of well-known bands but not necessarily you know like warp tour staples and right so it's yeah they've they've definitely you know really upped their game in the in the last number of years i think
1: it's it, i think it's fair to say that they've kind of become the one of the labels that's really um like pushing or carrying the scene these days there are a number of them yeah uh but hopeless i think would be definitely one of those labels that's kind of picked it up on their shoulders a little bit. Whereas I think you're right, like early on and through a lot of those years, they were kind of like a label that was, it seems like they were a label that was there, but obviously when, you know, the scene is being dominated by labels like Epitaph and Fat Wreck and then right. we talked about like Vagrant Records and Drive Through, and, you know, like all these other labels that it, at, it, over those years that just kind of like were on the next level. Whereas now it seems like Hopeless is kind of... Um, I mean, are definitely. I mean, Epitaph and Fat are still going, but I think as far as like you brought up Warp Tour and stuff like that, which obviously um, isn't happening anymore. But like as far as like in the scene, like Hopeless definitely seems to be up there with more of the newer bands and you know the bigger bands for sure. I think I'd agree of the current times anyways but maybe yeah. not maybe not bigger in comparison to obviously some of those giants that were on things like epitaph and fat back in the day right but you know and also doing something a little bit different so um you know maybe it's more fair at this time to compare uh hopeless records to like a drive through records uh or or even a vagrant records in the sense that like the bands that they're pushing a lot of the times would probably fall more in line with what those labels were doing right maybe more yeah. so than than fat or epitaph which of course like if you want to get into the like i always think of uh you know when i was in high school going to punk shows and whatever like the gatekeepers and whatever of you know this is punk this isn't punk blah blah blah, blah. like it's funny because i remember there were there are almost like different levels of gatekeepers and the immediate gatekeepers were the fans that were like oh all the bands on fat and epitaph are okay but if you're, you know, on Drive through or Vagrant or whatever, it was always like, those aren't punk bands or whatever. But right, then it's funny yeah, because yeah. then, like, the true heads, the true punk heads would be like, oh, man, the bands that are on Fat and Epitaph are also just, like, mall punk bands and not cool, right? Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there was not really any winning. There was two oh, sides to it. A
1: 100%. I often think about what we named this podcast and, like, and how often, you know, people are, like, would have an issue with, you know, the fact that we're not talking about, like... You know, literally sticking to say like either like the hardcore bands of the '80s and and you know in the DC and New York sort right. of scene, or even like the more crusty stuff. Like, no, we're all over the place. It's well, just... and that's
0: and that's why I, I like the word punk because it's it kind of encompasses so many things, right? It Could be pop punk, hardcore punk, whereas right. some other things, you know, if it was growing up heavy metal, like <laughs> to me that like even though I know there's a lot of subgenres of metal. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like right away it's just like oh, Metallica or whatever, right? Sure. But whereas I, punk, like, and we do touch on you know here and there enough, you know, whether 100%. it's a guy like Brian McTurnan coming on and talking yeah. about a lot of the kind of more old school kind of stuff, like there there is enough of that that we touch base on. But
1: I I think so too, and I feel like I I guess I'm not far enough into or familiar enough with the different subgenres of metal, but there's also something about metal that seems where gatekeeping on the whole in on the punk side of things i feel and maybe it's just because i'm older now and i care less about those things um gatekeeping seems to be like less of a thing now in punk like it's just like yeah very rarely do i see someone like people now argue if something is pop punk or not versus whether pop punk is punk rock or not if that makes sense right yeah um which i mean i guess is fine it's annoying too but I just think it, it, it's funny because I, I don't see that as often now uh, where people are, you know, getting upset about some band talking about punk rock that's poppier than they are, you know, like <laughs> yeah. punk or whatever. And back in the the Avril Lavigne, I don't know if you remember that interview where she's like sitting cross-legged on like a couch or whatever, and she's talking about, I forget what she's talking about being so punk rock, but it's just so funny to see and like knowing, you know, like, well, Avril Lavigne was like straight up pop, but right. You know, it's fine. I don't know why we're going down
0: this road. Actually, uh, <laughs> well, <we're... laughs> it's it, it's actually a good segue into the first band I'm going to mention. Well,
1: I was, yeah, I was, yeah. So let's go with it. Let's get into our our five picks. What is the first one you're going
0: to mention? So the first one is Thrice's "The Illusion of Safety." <laughs> it's a good segue because this is a band especially this album that had influences of of punk and pop punk and melodic hardcore and even some metal in in the kind of guitar playing and and that's one of the things that stood out to me about this band. I remember uh, I believe it was on mp3.com uh, before this album came out or maybe right when it did and uh lots of people were talking about this band and I mean mp3.com was a big Uh, avenue for finding new bands back in the day and uh, so i went and bought this cd Um, the next time i was in a major city still remember buying it still have it and uh, just remember feeling just so blown away by um, just kind of the ups and downs of the record the melody the heaviness Um, you know it's produced by brian mcturnan so you know it's going to be a a good sounding album and a cool album and uh, this is a band that really kind of transformed their sound over the years you know, again, so touching bass and a lot of different genres and I mean they're a lot different now than the than they were in two thousand and two when this album came out. Um, But, yeah, this is definitely the Thrice album I've probably gone back to the most, um, as well as um, the follow-up to this one. But, yeah, there's just something special about this one. Even when I still put it on, it kind of takes me back to that time of discovering bands and and hearing something new. Because in 2002, I was still really into, you know, punk and skate punk. And while this had elements of that, like I said, it it had lots of other... um, Nuances of genres as well, and so it just kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, okay, like you can scream a bit more on a punk song, or kind of push the boundaries a little bit more, and and uh, yeah, just an, an awesome band and, and a great album that I love going back to.
1: Thrice is um, definitely one of those bands. So for for myself, I guess my introduction to Thrice would have would have been the artist in the ambulance, and. I still to this day absolutely love that album and this album, The Illusion of Safety. I did. I ended up buying it at one point, and I, it's funny because I bought it thinking I want to say I bought it thinking maybe for whatever reason that it was VSU, like the next one. Oh, okay. Like there, there was some confusion in my brain when I bought it, thinking it was a newer album, and I like I already had the artist in the amulet, so I was thinking The Illusion of Safety was newer. And so then when I went home and put it on, I was like, whoa, like this sounds like the same band for sure. Because those those are like two of their most similar, and, and maybe that stretch of three or three of their most similar sounding records to each other, I think. But it was definitely more raw in on the production side of things. Yeah.
0: Um
1: and so I was I was a little bit confused. And also I feel like I was looking for the song Image of the Invisible or whatever it's called okay, off of the yeah. Uh, and maybe at that point, maybe I hadn't seen the artwork or something, and I just heard the song. I, I can't remember, but I remember buying it being like, oh, wait, this isn't their newest album? Like, <laughs> what, what's going on here? And, uh, but yeah, they've, they're a band for me. I want to do, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. We're going to do an episode on Thrice, because somehow we haven't done an episode on Thrice yeah, yet. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And we're going to, because they are a band for me that, um, have produced or like made some of my favorite albums. And then they're also a band that at some point in time, I just went, okay, you know, but I've been able to go back to, and I discussed this with, um, Roger Camaro when we did our vagrant episode, because this is the second time that thrice has come up now. Cause he picked, I think he picked beggars maybe. Yeah. Um, going back. And so, and I, and I discussed it with him and saying like, Oh, this record beggars makes me want to go back and dive into those thrice records that I just kind of wrote off um because they are they've always been and, and I, I, obviously they grew in time to become better but they've always been such good songwriters and that's even shown early on it, it it surprises me a little bit and maybe like to hear you say that like this is the one that maybe you go back to the most but Unless uh, actually, I think maybe you said you like this along with the artist in the ambulance is kind of what you go back to yeah. the most because because like the difference between those two records, there was definitely and I discussed this with uh, Brian McTurnan when he was on the show. There was definitely like growth in the For band sure. yeah. as well as his production, like which is obviously what we kind of talked about the most. But so like the overall sound between t- those two records does kind of take a pretty big step forward. But man, they are a band that. In my eyes, now it's funny to say this because there are still albums that I haven't really gotten into. But in my eyes now, I'm like they're a band that I really don't think could do wrong. Like <laughs> they they get out there and they do what they want, and yep. you know, you like it or not, you can still appreciate like their their songwriting and stuff. So
0: yeah, that's pretty I, rad. Did, I, I also thought it was was uh, unique and interesting that this album led to um, a major label deal because this isn't yeah. Like I know, this was kind of the the era where, you know, more kind of underground bands, so to speak, were getting, um, you know, more exposure and and getting the attention of major labels. But this album is like, there's not really like hit singles on it. Like, there's definitely catchy parts, but not really poppy catchy parts in this album. So I, I mean, that's that's cool that a major label saw the potential in them, and I think they really delivered on on the on their next albums. You know, while still keeping some of that aggression. But I just, yeah. yeah, I thought that was unique that, you know, they released this album on Hopeless, and then... Well, it... so
1: technically, I should say, okay, so this, you've already broken a rule. Um, so this this wasn't on Hopeless Records. I'm trying oh. to see if... I'm trying to... It was on SubCity, and I'm trying to... Which, as I read earlier, was like their charitable arm or whatever. Um, I'm That's just trying the... to see if they re-released it on Hopeless or anything, but all... Like so, identity crisis was on Subcity. Illusion of safety was on Subcity. Artist in the ambulance was on Island and Subcity. So you could have even technically picked that one. Same with VSU is on Subcity and Island. But um, I don't actually see them listed under Hopeless here. So I'm wondering where. Oh where wow. they? Where they I, unless they're just listed. Um, I feel it. like I've
0: always assumed that, or I guess I mean it always says hopeless slash sub city. So,
1: yeah, well, that's what I'm, cause I, I remember seeing sub cause as I was just reading about hopeless here and their, um, you know, the, the charitable arm or whatever being sub city, I was like, Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah so like I don't when, know
0: if sub city was actually the label or if that was just the charity part of it. Cause yeah, there sure, are cause other labels that have, cause I know face down has more than sound, which yeah. is kind of like their chair, like how they give proceeds to charity kind of thing. But it's,
1: Right. Yeah. So like when you when you search like on Thrice's Wikipedia, Hopeless is listed alongside Sub City Island and Vagrant, Vagrant and Epitaph. Um I just wanna see what they're on disc or not on Discogs, on Wikipedia what they're listed the releases are listed as. It doesn't actually say unless I click on it, I guess, but um yeah, it just says sub city. But they yeah, also Yeah. But anyway, I mean I I'm I'm gonna allow it because much like uh oh it was um I think it was Russ Rankin when he came on, and he had
0: uh, a. Propaganda oh, the propaganda, song, propaganda one, yeah. Which was
1: technically like <laughs> G7 welcoming committee, I think, or whatever. But, right. but anyway, yeah. But but thrice, man, they're they're a fantastic band. So uh, I'm going to jump into my first pick, which uh, would be the album "The Love Life" by Have Mercy. <laughs> Came out in 2019, and it's their fourth full-length record. And it's interesting to me because Have Mercy was a band that at some point in time I was just like going down a YouTube rabbit hole. And I think the song there was a song that came on that I really liked, and so I looked them up, and you know found out oh I think it was off their first album or something like that. And they had a couple other albums, and I and I listened to them for a little bit, and there was something about them that I really liked but at the same point i didn't find that they necessarily did anything special with their sound like they were kind of you know another sort of like post-hardcore emo rock outfit that uh you know didn't like they 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 fell in like the pop punk scene in the sense of the bands that they toured with but didn't really have a straight up pop punk sound it was a little more mid-tempo sort of stuff and then this album came out and i actually forgot about it recently until i was looking through the list i was like oh yeah this one what did i remember i remember loving something about this one and as soon as i put it on i was immediately like right i remember what it is about this record i love and it is what i picked out or picked up on in some of their earlier stuff is just the the lead vocalist his vocals i don't know how to describe them i mean obviously listening to the podcast uh, it, listeners would have just heard a song, so maybe it's fresh in their minds. But, but like his his voice is like, it's not breathy or raspy, but it is all at the same time. He has yeah. this interesting delivery that reminds me entirely of another band that I like as well. But the songwriting on this album, it's a lot more mellow, right? Like it's yeah. it's a pretty laid back record, and I listened to it a ton a couple summers ago when we were on Vancouver Island. Uh, we had driven out. You know, for a summer vacation or whatever. And I don't know if it came out while I was there or if it was beforehand, whatever, but I was listening to it a whole bunch. And there's just some songs on there that, like, there's a song, I think it's called Claire, that as soon as it finishes, it's one of those few songs where I'd be like, I just want to put that back on again Mm. uh, because it's so cool. But um, yeah, they're an interesting band because, like I said, when I first discovered them, I was like, there's something I like, but then listening to their early discography, I was like, ah, okay, it's not super memorable. And then... I mean, ironically enough, I did say I forgot kind of about this album until going through the list. But um, when I saw it, I was like, there's, you know, when taking in so much new music, it's hard to there's only a few that really stick forever kind of thing. Right. So. Yeah. uh, But this this record I love. Did you get a chance to listen to it?
0: yeah so this was the only one on your list that I don't know if I had ever listened to before. even I mean, I knew the name um yeah. we might have even texted back and forth about this when it came out. um yeah, so I skipped through it today to kind of see what it was like, and yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the mark on kind of the vocals and kind of the different styles. but yeah, when I listened to it i was I was trying to kind of think like I almost texted you asking like, What is this considered? you know is it like <laughs> midwest kind of emo or is it just rock indie or yeah i mean like
1: i think i think for just a broad stroke sort of term uh I, i like indie emo like it's definitely on the indie rock side of emo i think but even then it's pretty like i don't know i like it for me it's really good like I just want to mellow out music, right? Like there's yeah. some music that I just want to, you know, if I'm if I'm in my car that I just want to crank up. In fact, one of the records we're going to talk about of yours today, I, as I was listening to it, I just kept like turning it up. And uh, But then there's other ones where I just want to like, okay, I just want something that I can lay down and sort of relax to, right? And so uh, this one, and, there, and there's a lot of stuff going on, I think, production-wise on this album that I love just laying there listening to on headphones where I'm just like hearing kind of the different things going on and just, I don't know. There's, there's a certain kind of mood and atmosphere. I think that this record creates and uh, yeah, I was glad to go back to it to be reminded of it in doing this episode because I also think it's one that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. So
0: yeah. And um, a pretty unique release for the label too. I don't know if uh, Mm -hmm. I would really equate kind of chill albums to hopeless
1: yeah and and like i don't know if their earlier stuff was on hopeless it was definitely like it was a little less chill like it still had that similar i suppose like vibe but you know there were more distorted guitars and just kind of straightforward in that sense as opposed to like on this album i think they kind of dial that back a little bit open up some things like the song claire like the main kind of like instrument melody in it is played by like kind of like plucked like strings Mm. sort of thing right it's like a little more a little more mellow in that sense but uh yeah man it's great stuff so uh what's what's next on your list
0: uh so this is a band called we are the in crowd and their album weird kids If I had really listened to this band before, I don't think they released anything after. I think they broke up after this one. And uh, every time I go back to this one, I'm kind of like, almost kind of surprised that it, it stands out to me so much, and I don't really know why. Um, I don't know why I kind of listen Well, I mean, that, that sounds bad to say. I don't even know why I, why to this did I band. listen to this. <laughs> I just yeah, for it's not typically the kind of type of pop punk, whatever you want to call it, that. That I would normally be drawn towards. Like at times, it's you know, like a little cheesy and maybe a little bit much. But there's some really good standout songs on this album, and I didn't realize it was uh, produced by John Feldman. Whoa! And uh, sorry, <laughs> calm down. I'm there. Kicking, <laughs> kicking over my. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't She's realize just it was. Flipping <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that uh, probably did a lot for the band working with John. Right. And it's interesting that you know the number it's. You know, it was on Rock Sound's 50 albums of the year. It was on Kerrang's 50 albums of hmm. 2014. One of the songs was nominated for a best single for the Kerrang Awards, which, again, I wouldn't have really, you know, put it in that standout-ish of an album to to make all those. But So there must have been something special about it. Um, I don't know if it was kind of, you know, kind of similar to the Paramore thing that it was mm-hmm. riding, or what. Like, I'm not saying that as a slight to them or whatever, but, right. you know, it's fairly similar in sound anyways, yeah. um, which, again, I'm not typically super drawn towards. Like, I do like some Paramore albums, but... So, anyways, I, I don't know if that really makes sense, but it, for some reason it's just an album that I often kind of, you know, if I'm scrolling through my my old iPod or... Whatever, every time I see this, I'm like, oh yeah, I think I want to listen to that again. And there's always something that kind of reminds me of why I like this album. So it's kind of a random mix of thoughts and emotions towards it. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's one that keeps me coming back for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. So for myself, with We Are the In Crowd, uh, I never got into this record. I did actually like their one before, which was also on Hopeless Best Intentions, uh, which came out in 2011. And I think, like, for me, that was a an era. Maybe it was at the tail end of an era, or it was not. It must have been in there. Of like, I think it's dubbed like neon pop punk or something. Oh yeah, yeah you maybe know bands. Yeah, like I I love bands like Cute Is What We Aim For, which I think fall in line with this. There were some of those bands that I kind of couldn't really get into, but like Cute Is What We Aim For, I loved. Rocky loves Emily on Tooth and Nail. I loved uh, at least like their the EP they put out. Like it was like really like light-hearted kind of cheesy you know bright hence the neon i think sort of sounding stuff um and so this this band fell in there and i think like paramore was definitely kind of like a part of that maybe not maybe not straight up like the neon pop punk sound but obviously played uh you know like got a got a lot of comparisons these guys did with paramore simply because of the the female vocals right the front end in a pop punk band right but that this band was yeah they were they were pretty good like i again i by the time weird kids came out i think i had kind of maybe moved on from the sound or whatever it happens a lot but best intentions i was definitely into and um now now talking about it, i'm like yeah i gotta go back and listen to it again <laughs> because uh there, there is definitely something about it. And like I said, like Cute is what we aim for in that kind of same vein And in, in time is a band that I'll go back to and just be like, oh, yeah, I remember what I liked about these guys or what oh. I still like about these guys. But yeah. uh, I was a little – when I saw it on your list, I was like, all right, okay, interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of feel the same way, but it's <laughs>
1: – Yeah, that's fine, man. That's fine. Um, so my next pick is – potentially it's going to be up there for newest album on list. I'm not sure there's, there's one on your list that potentially came out after or around the same time. Anyway, uh, the latest album from neck deep, all distortions are intentional. released in 2020 it's neck deep's fourth uh, full-length studio album and there's kind of some interesting stuff that went into this because i'll read this and uh, just know that i think i've said this before i'm not i was not a huge neck deep fan um this is one of those ones where i'm not putting them on the list simply because i love the band and i had to pick an album uh there's no question for me that it would be this album but uh so I'll, re- I'll read some of this. The band's photographer, uh, Joshua Halling, I think is how you say his last name, recorded bass on all tracks on this album. But he decided not to join the band full time uh, because he wanted to continue being their photographer. Yeah. So that's that's kind of cool. That. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, actually, if I understand this right, so um, Ben is the lead singer of Neck Deep. And I believe yeah. his brother who produced the album now plays bass in the oh, band. Oh, interesting. So, there's yeah, anyway, but it says it's a it's a concept album. Its story takes place in Sunderland, an exaggerated portrayal of society in, inhabited by lead characters Jeff and Alice. Great. Those are, those are two <laughs> names. What do you want to name them? Uh, Jeff and Alice, uh, who together deal with issues. It kind of sounds like they should be on like some 70s TV show or something. Uh, who together deal with issues of love, loss, disillusionment, and despair. The album also marks a significant departure from the band's more pop-punk-leaning sound featured on their previous albums in favor of a more alternative rock and pop-rock-inspired sound. And that's what I wanted to talk about, specifically with this album, What I Grew to Love. And I've compared it a number of times uh, to proper dose by the story so far is that yeah. the story so far and neck deep, both those bands were huge in the scene at one point and arguably, obviously still are. Yeah. But their earlier stuff, neither one of those bands really, the early stuff did anything for me. And when they made these like sound changes and like neck deep, you know, saying here like kind of getting more into the alt rock and pop rock inspired. It's funny because the first
0: single that I remember
1: hearing, I think was In Bloom, maybe off of uh, off of this album, All Distortions Are Intentional. I was like, what In is Bloom's this? In Bloom's
0: off the other the one before this. Is that? So,
1: yeah. hold on. There's There was a single, whatever the single was that came out first on this. Now I got to look it up. Um, but uh, that came out first. I was like, "What? what is this? It's not very good. <laughs> like I was like, it's okay, <laughs> but it's not great. And so I didn't have high hopes for this album at all. Uh, I want to see if I can figure out was it sick joke? Uh, anyway, um, I don't remember what song it was now, now that I look at the track listing, uh, or maybe I didn't like in bloom and then was like, all right, moving on from this band. Um, and I'm also looking to see, Oh, that just says who played bass on the album, but yeah, sorry. There there was a single that came out and I was kind of like, mm, I don't really like this. Maybe it was low life. And so I didn't have a lot of high hopes for the album and then it came out and it came out the day like we were leaving to drive home on our cross country trip and so i downloaded it immediately and it was the first thing i listened to before driving back across the country i shouldn't say before like the first thing while doing that and i listened to it several times on the drive home because when an album can can like portray or create like a specific mood or feeling I'm more inclined to come back to it. And this album does that for me from start to finish. There's something in the production, uh, in like how it sounds. And then obviously the songs are a little more brooding in a lot of cases and um, really well written too. And so like if someone asked me, like I went and saw Neck Deep a number of years ago and literally I stuck around for two or three songs. I was like, all right, we can go home. If I went and saw them now... Knowing that they're going to play some songs off of this, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to mm. stick around, right? Like this, I I really do enjoy this album, and it's another one. You know, it's it's obviously got more energy than the Have Mercy record that we were talking about, but at the same point, it is a record that uh, kind of like if I'm wanting to be a little more chilled out, sort of thing, it definitely helps. Um, so it's a good record. Did you get a? I mean, I'm sure you've listened to it before because we've. Yeah. Ta- I feel like we've talked about it before.
0: Yeah, well, it's an interesting. I uh, think of a band like this and like the story so far. And I mean, I I know lots of um, pop punk bands. You know, were inspired by a kind of nineties alternative because that was a yeah. huge thing. Those were songs that were on the radio, and uh, you know, it it kind of played into the you know pop punk sound. Maybe not as high energy, but still like that catchy, yeah. big choruses. Um, so I, I I always find it interesting when a band you know you know kind of rises in the pop punk game. And then a few albums that kind of go back to, you know, like those earlier influences, like maybe even before yeah. they found pop punk bands. And so it is cool to kind of hear their take on it. Um, this isn't my favorite album of theirs. I, I did like the one previously. The I think it was The Peace and the Panic. Yeah. And uh, so when I heard they were kind of going towards this, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to have to kind of see if they'll win me over. Um, the last time I tried listening through this, it's a good album. It just... I don't know, it didn't kind of catch my ear in, in the way that maybe their previous one did and so Yeah. Um yeah, it's th- not one I visited a lot.
1: And that's fair because and I think that's that that happens with bands that have been around for a few albums. I think like all you know, they they wanna sometimes make change. Some bands just want to play the same the same stuff from start to finish anyway, and that's that's great too. Uh but I think what I like when some of these bands kind of evolve their sound is, you know, I've talked about music dynamic a lot on the show, and, like, pop punk doesn't necessarily explore that too often. Yeah. Like, maybe, you know, maybe on the album they might have a more down song or, like, a quieter song or what have you, but, like, within the songs themselves, they don't it's, – it's not – you know, it doesn't happen a ton. And so when these bands, I think, like, really kind of – and, and maybe that's what I've always loved about, like, emo and post-hardcore sort of stuff is I like kind of, like, the up and down that you sort of get a little bit. And, you know, sometimes it's all up. Sometimes it's all down. Sometimes it's doing both things at the same time. like uh, And so when when talking about neck deep, like, all distortions are intentional and proper dose by the story so far, I just really enjoyed that they went in that direction in the sense, like, okay, let's explore this a little bit, right? Yeah. And, you know, each band did it differently. Like you brought up the nineties influence and that's a hundred percent. Like, I remember thinking whatever that first single was off of all distortions. And I was like, but what is this? Like, it just, it reminds me of the nineties in a way, but not quite. And you know, I'm, I, I like to, like, I have this, you know, like fondness in my, in my heart and in my ear for the nineties and you know, like, that's what I grew up on, right? Like, yeah. especially, you know, like, 90s alternative on the radio was, like, amazing, right? And so yeah. I often I often will, like, romantically look back at these bands and then you, like, you know, dive a little further into some of their libraries and you're like, oh, they actually weren't that good. They had that one or two songs, right? right. But um, the 90s were great for one-hit wonders. And so when bands kind of, like, lean into that a little bit, sometimes I am more inclined to, to like it. But then there are other bands that do it and I'm like, oh, you just sound like you're trying to, you know, re- relive the 90s, which is funny uh, that, you know, I kind of will go back and forth that way. But, yeah, no, all distortions are intentional. I, 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 I'm I, often like when someone tells me if, if they're like, oh, this, this album by this band is a concept album, I will automatically be a little more intrigued to check it out. I had no idea about this band or this album being a concept album until well after I'd listened to it a number of times. Yeah. Uh, And so, I mean, that's kind of neat to find out. I don't, I've never like dove into like the actual like story or world they're trying to create with it. It's not, you know, it's not anything that's I've looked into enough. That's kind of like, Oh yeah, I see what they're doing. It just sounds like they're kind of like writing songs from the perspective of two people, and this is sort of what it is, as opposed to telling a story with a beginning, and a middle, and an end over the course of an album, right? Like, yeah. Um, but anyways, let's not
0: get hung up too long on this record. What's uh, what's next on your list? Uh, so this is one, um, a band that this album was kind of. So the album is called "This Is How the Wind Shifts" by Silverstein. <laughs> the album for me that kind of shifted um, my love towards Silverstein. So up until now I mean, I was aware of them I'd kind of listened to them here and there, never really put on one of their albums and listened to Star From Finish and uh, so this one came out and they had uh, recently parted ways with their one of their original guitarists and they had uh, replaced him with another guy and so that kind of piqued my interest just to kind of see you know where that would take them And this album, like, I don't even really know how to describe it or pinpoint the difference, but, I don't know, I put it on and I was just like, this is just really, really good. Like, it just, you know, they'd already put out, I don't know, four or five albums before this, so it's not like, you know, they were necessarily reaching their peak, but, um, so I don't know if it was just having some new blood in the mix or whatever, but this album, just when I put it on, I was like, okay, this is more the Silverstein that I'm kind of looking for, you know, it was... Not necessarily more mature, but it was a little bit, you know, they were doing their sound a lot more, the kind of sing, scream, screamo, post-hardcore kind of thing. On some of their previous albums, you know, some of the songs were really good, and then sometimes it was like, ah, this isn't quite what, you know, even what maybe they want to be doing or what I want to be listening to, but... Anyways, that sounds like kind of a bunch of random thoughts. Anyways, this album is awesome. (laughs) I I re-listened to it again today. Um, I sent you one song, and and just as I was listening through, I was like, man, this is just a really good album. It's super catchy, um, but it's also, you know, some pretty cool kind of grittier parts. And I don't know, just all the elements they were trying to do kind of did really well in this album, and I've loved everything that they've put out since this one. Um, This album consists of six different stories alongside parallel tracks, which I, you know, I didn't realize that's so when I was re-listening today, um, just trying to kind of see what I could pull out from that. So I thought that was kind of cool. You know, one of the songs being the story, uh, the start, and then one kind of being the end of a story. Cool, yeah. And uh, so again, you were just mentioning um, concept, concept albums, yeah. which again I don't get super into because a lot of time the concepts, you know, I feel like a lot of concepts albums mean a lot to those like to the band putting it together but at least for myself you know when you think of like coheed and cambria that we talked about a few weeks ago and some of those concepts I'm just like this is over my head. Like I wouldn't right. even know how to connect with a concept like this. But you know, I, I did think that was cool, you know, how like one song's kind of the start of a story, the next one's the end, and even in the, the dynamic of the song, you know, it kinda of shifts around a little bit and so maybe the, the title is a really good um good way to describe this album. But <laughs> yeah, really like this album and really like this band.
1: So you're telling me the title of this album is not a fart joke?
0: Uh, well, I can't guarantee it. That might uh, be a good concept album, but
1: so so Silverstein. It's funny because I mean they're a band that I've been familiar with for I for a long time. Um, yeah. But I don't think I realized until just these past few years that they're a Canadian band. Oh yeah. <laughs> like you know there are specific bands that I can remember being into you know, even back in the early 2000s and and kind of moving on, that you were fully aware that they were Canadian bands. A number that we've talked about on the show, you know, obviously like Monine and Grade and Alexis on Fire. Grade was a big like surprise one where when you hear people talk about how influential they were, you know, kind of going like, really, like that Canadian band, Grade? Like what? And like influencing all these other kind of, you know, bigger bands that would come down the road. That always surprised me. But Silverstein was one that I was never aware until i don't even know when it was like it's it's possible that it was uh when you interviewed No, nah, it had to have been before that but you interviewed um who'd you interview from so bill
0: uh well he contributed to our quarantine That's what it was. episode yeah, yeah yeah
1: i was to say i just remember seeing it because because i think his what's his uh his instagram handle or is was like bill verstein i think yeah but, um and so yeah so it you know it's just one of these things where i don't think i realized that they were a canadian band and uh they're also a band that as far as always being aware that they were around they were never a band that i really got into i had friends who were into them who had listened to them and every time i heard them i was always like oh like this band is good but there was just for whatever reason early on i never felt the need to buy anything you know i'm sure i had some of their songs on different compilations over the years or whatever and so you sent me the one today you're like just listen to this one and uh yeah man like that like that band can go you know like it's it's one of these things where you know i suppose it's it's one of those things where there's just so much music out there that you're gonna always yeah miss out on stuff that's like actually really good for one reason or another. Right. Like, and I don't know if it's, you know, for me, if it's because I had, you know, another band that kind of filled that void in my musical journey or what the case was that was doing that. Like, or, you know, if at that time when that band was getting big, I was more into, you know, like Thursday and, uh, and, uh, like the used and stuff like that. Right. Like, Like that's what was filling my singing and screaming sort of niche, I guess. I don't know. But, um, Yeah, man, these guys, every time I hear them, I'm always, like, surprised and going, like, why didn't I get into these guys, you know? But then still, I go, you know, I'm like, I listen to it, and then, you know, I don't come back to it. So I I don't know what it is, but...
0: Yeah, um, it was kind of, what's what's unique about them as being a Canadian band is they gained a lot of exposure on their first release on Victory when Broken is easily fixed. And so they had a lot more opportunities in the States and touring you know kind of globally whereas a lot of canadian bands like they really focus on canada and you know touring canada because it's a big country and but i think with them you know and being from ontario it almost kind of seems like bands from out there you know it's kind of their own little thing you know they're closer to the states it's a lot bigger centers around there so some of the bands even like you mentioned a band like grade you know doesn't make their way this way even some 41 like I don't remember them really coming through Western Canada very much at all either. Again, they blew yeah. up pretty quick and were able to tour, you know, a lot more globally I was gonna as say, well.
1: Yeah, the only times I can remember some 41 coming this way was when they would be on
0: like Edgefest or Yeah,
1: like tours York with tour. those bigger bands. Like I don't rem- I don't remember them. I'm sure they have obviously, but I don't remember anytime thinking like, oh, Sum 41's coming and headlining a show out here, right? Like yeah. once they kind of blew up, like half hour of power, it was game over after that, right? Like, yeah. you know, like that was kind of the one where I'm like, oh man, these guys are awesome. And then was, does this look infected? Is that what came out
0: next? um Half hour of power was all killer, no filler. After all killer, that. no filler.
1: That's yeah. right. And so when yeah, that, that came out, I think that's probably when they were on Edge Fest and it was like, that was the only time I remember them coming out this way, yeah. you know, like, but you know, it is what it is. Um yeah, well,
0: it's it's cool to see Canadian bands because it isn't always the case. There are some yeah. that really struggle to to break out in the states, and then some just at the right time just blows yeah. up, and then people don't even really realize they're a Canadian band. So we've gone from
1: uh, uh, so I spoke about a Welsh band, and then you spoke about a Canadian band. And so I'm going to stick to the British Commonwealth with my next band. Let's do that. <laughs> We're going the to keep fingers. on the <laughs> Yeah, between you and me, everything is temporary. This album, of course, Between You and Me, James, is gonna be on next week's episode. And so I'm not I'm not just including this on the list because of that. This album is an album that if someone talks to me about, oh, uh asked an album that like just kind of like surprised me at how good it was. This album is often one that I will bring up. And I think it really stands out because it came out the same day as Real Friends Composure. Yeah. And I was super excited about Real Friends composure because I was a big fan of Real Friends at the time. And this came out the same day. And I remember seeing they were on, um, oh, what was the name? They, they had released a song on, is it Dream State, I think is the name of the label. Um, not sure. I think, is that what
0: it's called? Mm.
1: No, hold on. I, I want to figure out that, that name. Out. Yeah, I don't think, is it Dream State? Is that what it is? There's a label that's, I don't even know where they're from. Um, I don't think it's Dream State though, when I when I Oh yeah, no, that's a band. <laughs> oh, Dreambound. There we go. Dreambound. Okay. Labeled Dreambound. I was like, I can picture their la their their logo. It's like a moon and some stars. Um and so they had a song that came out on Dreambound, and I remember hearing it and being like, dang, these guys are pretty good. And so the name between you and me stuck with me. And then I found out like I saw this album come out. And I was like, okay, cool. I added it because you know, was, I don't remember how I first heard that it was coming out because you know, I had no idea that they'd signed a hopeless uh, or anything like that. And I think maybe I had looked at like some like release date website or something and saw it, so I added it, pre-added it, or whatever. And listening to it that day alongside real friends, and I was like, I'm enjoying this album way more off the top than I, you know, anticipated. Uh, that I would, cause I thought I was so excited about real friends and there's just some songwriting things in on that album that I think are just like really clever and a lot of fun and they like, they are a fun band. And, uh, obviously like I've gotten to know James a little bit over the years cause it all started. Cause like I reviewed, we talked about this album Wait, not you and I, but Jordan and yeah, I way back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And then he had kind of like, I think I shared it on Reddit and on maybe a pop punk group on Facebook or something. And he commented on like, he had a, he had like some kind of strange username on Reddit and then his Facebook comment on Facebook. And I was like, wait a minute, like connecting the dots is like, is that you over here and here? And then, you know, we kind of started talking and then had them on the show back when tours were a thing. They were in on the East Coast uh, touring and uh yeah man like this record i still love coming back to it they've got new music that's coming out hopefully sometime this year or in the near future anyway that i'm excited about but like the song dakota the first time i heard that chorus it was immediately stuck in my head and uh yeah no it's just it's a ton of fun it was released in 2018 and is their debut full like they haven't had a follow-up yet they've had you know, one or two singles come out since then, but um, super looking forward to what what they're going to do next. Uh, was this one that yeah. you ever you know did you did you give this one a listen?
0: Yeah, so I yeah I remember listening to that that original review that you and Jordan did, and then uh, your interview with him. I listened to the album; I really liked it. And uh, you know, you just mentioned with Silverstein how you know there's a lot of good bands. Sometimes bands just fly under the radar. Yeah. So I was listening to this album again today, and was like, man. How how have I not thought to go back to this? Like <laughs> th- this is really good. Like almost better than I remember. I mean that was already you know, two and a half three years ago. I guess yeah. Whenever this this came out in two thousand eighteen, and yeah. yeah, I I immediately saved it on Spotify, and I'm gonna go back to it. And so yeah, just I you know there are lots of bands, and it's hard to keep up with them all. But this is definitely one yeah. that I enjoy.
1: I was gonna say another connection to uh, Silverstein is that Bill and so Bill from Silverstein and James from uh, Between You and Me were both on the quarantine scene episodes. Uh, yeah. yeah, right on. <laughs> so, but uh, what's next up
0: on your list? Uh, let's go with, uh, so this is the newest one, um, a band called Ground Culture, and their album How Well Do You Really Know Yourself. <laughs>
2: The patience can drain us. Reasons that change is so painful. us in the back of my mind, coming to the neck. I don't really know shit. Just in the nick of time, For the a reason to fall out of line. You make me wanna find me.
0: out last year, 2020. Uh, it didn't make my short top list, but I think it made my extended list. Um, so you had mentioned with, uh, what band was it? Uh, maybe it was with Thrice or, um, yeah, I can't remember which one it was, but just where bands. Or maybe with Neck Deep where bands kind of, you know, are influenced by, you know, older bands or come yeah. back to it was- or...
1: That was neck deep, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So this is I mean, as far as I know a newer band. This is the first time I heard of them and I'm not even sure where where I first heard the song, but as soon as I did it just grabbed my attention and as I listened through the album more, I just I kept hearing more influences that I really enjoyed. So I was really kind of skipping through it again today and um you know, it's. Uh, I'm not even really sure what to categorize this band as. You know, like at times it really reminds me of kind of '90s kind of hardcore. You know, like bands like Snapcase. Um, sometimes there's almost like new metal influences, uh, but not like annoying new metal. Kind of like the <laughs> bounce. You know, there's a few songs today. You know, it's like kind of like the bouncy songs. You know, there's the riff- no- there's no such thing
1: as annoying new metal. Get your head out of your ass. No. <laughs> uh,
0: I think it's all. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> I think <laughs> you know, you're like, wrong. It just kind of I don't know. You those kind of those kind of simple riffs that kind of get stuck in your head that a lot of like new metal new metal bands used. Mm-hmm. And but the vocals, you know, are definitely a lot more raw. and... You know, so you know, at times it's kind of hardcore. Sometimes it's popier. I don't know. There's just, and there was a few people I I sent this album to that were kind of like, ah, I don't know if I can really get into this. And I was like, really? Like this is so cool. I thought you would really like this. So I do see that there are maybe some influences or sounds on the album that you know aren't for everyone. That might be into kind of hardcore, melodic hardcore kind of stuff. But I, I don't know. I'm really excited to to see and hear more of this band and um, yeah. just a, a really kind of unique album. It's an
1: interesting pick uh, because as I was going through it today, that was my initial immediate thoughts. I mean, I had, I think, listened to this because when I looked it up, I was like, oh, I remember this. Yeah, we talked about it before. And it's got striking artwork. Like, the artwork is memorable, so good on them for that, right? And then also, like, it was in my, you know, my Apple Music library or whatever. But as I was going through it, I was like, oh, 100%, like, hardcore and new metal is what I'm hearing here. And it's not like for me the new metal isn't subtle in any way. I also don't have like a problem with some like there are some new metal bands that I'll randomly kind of go back to. There are some that are I think are more um I don't know if acceptable is the right word, <laughs> listenable or <laughs> Yeah, well like Deftones for instance are like they've always been right. a band that I'll go back to regularly. And I feel like I I think I've heard people say they're like the Radiohead of new metal where you know even people who aren't in a new metal can appreciate like what deftones did and are doing and and what have you um but so i'll go back to other new metal bands sometimes too and so when when that came up and i was hearing it i was like okay cool i can get into this the thing that kind of like pulled me out a little bit and maybe it's just more needing to get used to it uh was the the clean vocals if you want to call them that they're not like your typical, and I think it's just the same guy who's screaming, who also sings. I want to say it seems like sometimes he really goes in and out, yeah. uh, pretty smoothly. And so it's not like in these bands where you have you know the screaming and then the singing comes in. I always find like the singing is very clear and crisp, right? And that's the whole point because you want it to be like this, um, you, you know, know kind dynamic. of like yeah, dynamic and opposite sort of thing, right? Whereas his vocals when he sings, they're so unique. Uh, for that sound of that style of music, I think that initially I was kind of like, what is going on here? Cause he kind of will get like a little nasally where it feels like he's like knocking on the door of like, you know, like Alice in Chains type stuff is what it reminded me of. And then, but then when he kind of actually gets into his lines, you're like, Oh no, he's not really going that way. He's just, he's got like this different, you know, sort of, sort of voice specifically, I think, like I said, for the sound, but, um, it is a record that, in, in kind of going through it real quick, that made me want to go back and give it, give it a closer listen for sure. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's so good. It is really good, and that's awesome. So good pick on you. <laughs> and it should have made your 2020 top five. I don't
0: know. Well, it makes my post-2020 top five. Does that yeah. count?
1: <laughs> no. No, it doesn't count. Um, so I'm going to jump into – I'm trying to decide which way I want to go here. I think I'm going to. I'm going to go with the Wonder Years, uh, and I'm going to say Sister Cities. <laughs> I'm going with that because you mentioned The Wonder Years a few minutes ago. So <laughs> in passing, you said something about My favorite
0: Years. Welsh band.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so this record is an interesting pick. It was released in 2018, which we've had a couple... We've mentioned a couple now that came out that year, I think. Uh, it's their sixth studio album is what I wrote down. I'd have to... I mean, I guess that makes sense probably. that's. But uh, this album is so interesting for me because... So I love The Wonder Years. We've talked about them before. Uh, we don't need to go into... an insane amount of depth about them the thing i love about this record though is that it pissed people off (laughs) no um i really like that this kind of continues their evolution in their sound which i think you sort of you started to hear and i mentioned this obviously talking about bands like neck deep and whatever where they're you know there's an, an, an evolution in their sound you started hearing some of that evolution you know on uh On No Closer to Heaven, the record before this, especially like in comparison to the first handful or first few records that were very much in the vein of, you know, just like emo pop punk sort of stuff, right? Like, I mean, I guess their early stuff, which I haven't really heard a ton of, was actually definitely more in line with like the easy Core sound, uh, which is fantastic to me. But as far as I understand, too, they kind of like ignored that that even existed a little bit.
0: Well, we're going to bring it back.
1: Which is, which is like, one of the things that does bug me a little bit about The Wonder Years is sometimes they seem to take themselves a little too seriously. Like, they make great music. Dan Campbell is a great writer. And just sometimes, though, I'm like, I, it feels a little bit over the top, but it doesn't quite get in my way of really enjoying their albums. It yeah. might get in my way of, like, really enjoying live performances by them. But... Um, no, this record, I, I absolutely loved it, and this is the tour I got to see them on, so that definitely helped. But uh, this, I thought this was interesting, that after the release of No Closer to Heaven in 2015, the Wonder Years spent two years on a massive world tour to support that album. And along the way, vocalist Dan Campbell kept a journal to document experiences and feelings and the band took photographs of everything they saw and following the tour, Campbell went through the collections and highlighted excerpts that he felt were meaningful and through this reflection, lyrics began to take shape and the band worked to compose music that fit the mood of the lyrical content mm. and um, according, apparently Sister Cities came together from this process as a record that seeks to create unity in a world that is becoming increasingly segregated. And so... What I think is cool about that is like they kind of get pigeonholed as this like band that you know like maybe gets lumped in a little bit with like some of those sad boy pop punk bands but I think like The Wonder Years are more than that like yeah, there's not... a
0: bit more depth to it and emotion they're...
1: Yeah, they're not just up there writing songs about you know getting their hearts broken sort of thing, right? Like they he's told some great stories in his lyrics and that's the thing that'll always be um front and center for me with The Wonder Years is like Dan's lyrics but this album I think is where they really started flexing their Muscles musically as well because they Create so many different beautiful pieces Of music on this record my initial Reaction to it um, Was that I didn't like the sound Of the production like I thought the drums Mm. Sounded weird but as you kind of like Adjust your ear like All of their other albums had like that Classic like pop punk production that was Bright and clean yeah and you know Everything felt really tight And then all of a sudden, this record they really, especially in the drums, like opened that up. And I like I like that like big open drum sound, but it was just a different open drum sound than I think I was like used to, and so I had to kind of you know grow and adjust to it. But all in all, though, man, like this record, it's probably the one I go back to the most. Is it my favorite Wonder Years album? I don't know. But we've also discussed. We've talked about uh, "No Closer to Heaven" and greatest the Greatest Generation, generation yeah. on here before, so that kind of played into why I picked this album. But um, yeah, man, it's—I'll still go back to this one regularly. And like, I—this <laughs> is kind of like a little nerd side tangent—is I, I pre-ordered this album on vinyl, but I just went with like the basic pre-order they had this like deluxe edition that came with all this crazy stuff but even like the basic vinyl pre-order came with like a thick like glossy book with a lot of these photos in it and it had like it came with like some extra like postcard sort of things which i think unfortunately i gave to my kids and they no longer exist Um, otherwise (laughs) they they may have ended up on the wall behind me right but um and yeah, so it it was still like this presentation that I was like, dang, like I got the basic, you know, kind of whatever pressing, and it yeah, still came right. with all this great stuff. That's awesome. Whereas a lot of times you you know pre-order a record or get a record, and it's like, oh, maybe you have a lyrics insert, and that's it, right? So yeah, um, much appreciated. But do you? We've talked about their other albums. Do you get into this one at all?
0: Uh. Not really. I mean, I, I don't know if we touched on this one when we, when we talked about them. But yeah, this was, I mean, yeah, like you said there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of cool things to take away. It's just not something I personally connect with, which which is fine. Like some of their earlier albums with a bit more of the punk sound, you know, are a bit easier for me to get into. But yeah, I think it's cool that, you know, they put out a handful of albums and they wanted to do something a bit different. And like you said, it's not just kinda of being sad, if that's what you want to call it for the sake of it. Yeah. But you know, it's it's putting in emotion of the things they saw, the personal experiences that actually, you know, kind of shape them. Like I'm not saying, you know, like breakups and whatever don't shape a person, but sure. something like yeah. this is, you know, it's a bit it's a bit more. It's not just like, okay, like I moved on from this person or whatever. It's like these things that I experienced with my friends are going to kind of stick with me for a lifetime and, and aren't just impactful to me, but to, to lots of other people too. So I think that's yeah. uh, a unique and cool way to, to take an album. I think I've just come to the conclusion that you, you don't like clean guitar tones. <laughs> well, yeah, that's you. I mean, like the sound of it wouldn't be my favorite either.
1: So Give me the distortion, please. Uh, I mean, All the distortion.
0: Yeah, depending on the context, if it's you know, like we talked about like a band like two thirty-eight, I mean their guitars are right. definitely clean, but that also fits the sound a lot more. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, what's uh what's your I think your final pick? Yeah, then, right? my final the most distorted album hopeless has ever put out. Crown Shyness by Trash Boat. Sinking into
2: the sheets. Sinking. Into defeat, step softly as I may beneath. Spread myself under your feet.
0: we both um love a lot so we've talked about a lot uh Trashbone is a band that's uh, like this is I think just their second studio album the first one i remember listening to and it was kind of okay you know it was kind of good enough but didn't stick with me and so i was really curious to this when this one came out to what it was going to be and it just like immediately caught my attention like i i just love it. it's one of my favorite feelings with music is when a band catches me off guard you know, when it's like, okay, I'm going to check this out because I like checking out new music, even if I didn't really love what the band put out before. And it just, I don't know, there's something about that first song in this album. Um, you know, I noticed there seems to be a lot more kind of melodic hardcore influence on this. Um, it's not necessarily a heavy album, kind of in the sense that, you know, Rise Against kind of sometimes we'll have the more kind of sing screamy and the more um, kind of minor guitar chord patterns and you know not as poppy but man there's just so much to some Every time I come back to it I'm just like oh man this is just so good and I think you know it helped to be with uh, Andrew Wade who produced it you know he's worked with bands like A Day to Remember and so I think he knows how to kind of you know bring the best of a band whether it's melodic or aggression and and so yeah like so this band has released one single since then and uh again it's a little bit different and so you know i i would have loved you know another album similar to this but i'm definitely you know intrigued as what to what they'll come up with next
1: yeah this album is it still gets regular rotation from me so back like in 2018 this was like what i said was my favorite album of the year yeah um and I think I can still like hold true to that. Like, I think it still is my favorite album from that year and potentially my favorite album that's come out on hopeless. Um, I just got to leave it off my list because you submitted your list first and it was on there. And so funny enough, like I was actually introduced to Trash Boat through the Wonder Years because Dan Campbell, I think it's maybe even the first song on their first album. Okay. He has a guest, he has a guest appearance. And so they had a video for it and I was, you know, going through YouTube one day and this comes up and I watch it. And I was like, oh, that was pretty awesome. But my favorite part of the song was Dan Campbell's feature. Right. And so I checked the album out and it was kind of, you know, it was okay. Much, you know, similar to what you had said is like, it didn't really draw me in and bring me back. And so I didn't really have a ton of like, um, expectations for this album. And when it came out and I put it on, it was like from the get go, it was lights out good. And it does so many things similar to, I think, you know, like what the wonder years, the things that I, I spoke about with the wonder years and specifically sister cities, not to that extent, but like. They definitely they're a band that is fast and hard, but also will play with dynamics yeah and so I, I like I absolutely love that it has a killer acoustic song like kind of two thirds maybe of the way through the yeah. album. There's so much the only thing about this song and it's not even that I don't like this, it's just like every time i'm like oh it's over it's like the second last song feels like it should be the closer because they have this like i think it's the second last song a sound effect of like a door slamming at the very end of it so it feels like final and like that's the mm. end of the record and then it goes into the closing song the closing song is so beyond good yeah. that it's like oh yeah there's still another song but i like forget about it because they hear this you know the song goes was like what bang the door slams you're like oh, that's kind of a cool way to end the album. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not done yet. They're about to get so much heavier and bigger and crazier. And, uh, yeah, their their new song, I think it's called He Was a Good Boy. Yeah, um, sounds familiar. When I first heard it, I was a little unsure. And then, though, as the song kind of went on and did its parts and did its thing, I was like, this song is ridiculously good. There were a lot of jokes going around calling it like I think Muse boat sort of thing because there is definitely some comparisons mm. to the band Muse in there. um But it's I'm in I'm intrigued to see what comes next. And I've heard some things that it's pretty darn good. So mm. who knows? I don't know if they've set a date or anything when that's supposed to come out. Yeah, but, I haven't
0: seen or heard anything. But yeah, I, but, I like uh, uh, uh with this one. You know, I mean, we've talked about so many bands over text over the years. And, uh, but this is an album that, you know, there's, there's a select few albums where I can like pinpoint kind of the day the album was released for us listening to it being like, Hey, we should check this out. Hey, this is really good. This is yeah. like really good. Okay. I'm listening to it again. You know, yeah. this is one of those ones where we were just like, man, like kind of, I, you know, just surprised by it and kept going yeah. back to it. And so I the love that. only,
1: the only other album that I can think of, of like, you know, like not bands that we listened to when we were teenagers that released something that we talked about so much was probably "Brain Pain" by Four Year Strong last year. Yeah, um, I mean yeah, we've talked a little... about a lot of stuff that's like, oh, that's good, that's good. But like one that we just like, I think both kind of kept going back to that was for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but trash, yeah, Trash Boat is stuck around, uh, and it's still such a great album. So my final pick is the album "Breathe" by Tiny Moving Parts.
2: I can see your smile I can see A smile. I can see your smile I can see your smile shine so brightly through the window I can't get used to this I can't get used to this A small portion would make me feel I was worth something. I want to exist in your heart just a little bit Exist in your heart just a little bit. A small Make me feel I was worth something I want to exist in your heart
1: Uh, this was released in 2019. It's their fifth studio album. But so far, it's their first and only one on Hopeless. I'm mm. assuming their next one will be on Hopeless. Yeah. Um, but Tiny Moving Parts, they are a band. This kind of thing has come up a few times on this episode, where you, know, you hear a band and you're like, oh, they're really good. I don't know why I'm not more into this band. Tiny Moving Parts is an example of a band where I had to keep reminding myself, Mm. I really like these guys. I should listen to them more. Yeah. And it's this weird thing because I know when I first heard them, I was like, dang, that's awesome. Like, that's really good. And then that would be it. And then, you know, I I would get, you probably get in this mood sometimes too, where you're like, I just want to listen to something, but I don't know what I want to listen to. And you kind of start like scrolling through or whatever, right? And so I just kind of like got to this thing where I was like, and I think I tweeted or something at one point. It was like, Tiny Moving Parts is my favorite band that I always forget is my favorite band (laughs) type thing, right? Where it's like, I don't know that I'd say they're my all-time favorite band. Yeah. But like in the sense of like forgetting about them and then like rediscovering them again and again sort of thing. Yeah. They're that band. And you can't actually see it. I don't know if I can... I do have a Tiny Moving Parts poster down here, but from this album actually. But uh, it's blocked by my beautiful being. (laughs) Um, But no, like, so tiny moving parts, I oftentimes look for music where as a guitar player, I'm like, I want to just hear guitar work that like impresses me, but also like we've talked about guitar solos in the past, right? Like I'm not a huge fan of guitar solos. I like technical guitar work, but I like it to serve more of a purpose than to just be like, Some guy like noodling away in the middle of every song, right? And so, and some guitar solos are friggin' fantastic. But with tiny moving parts and Dylan Matheson, I think is his name. His like his guitar work, I always feel like they they released a number of like guitar playthrough videos. So they just ended up being instrumental versions of these songs. And like watching him play, I'm like, man, I could like listen to this band with no vocals. Like, I could just listen to them play because his guitar work is interesting enough, it's melodic enough, it's technical enough that it keeps me, like, engaged the whole time. And then he manages to sing on top of it. And it's not like he's just, like, singing the odd line here or there. Like, he's singing quite a bit, and he's singing well. He has a voice that I enjoy, and he can emote, and he can, you know, like, get his point across. And so they just do all of these things so well that, like off the top of my head I can't think of another band that for me does it to that extent like there are obviously there are other like noodly math rock midwest emo bands and some of them get too noodly and they get too chaotic and I'm like you're losing me and then some of them you, you just get like tastes of it and you're like oh I want more of that but you're you know they're they're definitely f- focusing more on uh, just like being melodic and playing their chord structures and and crafting their songs that way and that's completely fine too i'm I'm definitely more inclined to go that way than I am to go to the bands that just get chaotic right yeah but tiny moving parts for me finds this like perfect balance in between of harnessing that chaos and that technicality and just making really awesome songs and then on this album they also have a song where in the middle of it he plays a banjo because why not like in the in the video he's playing his guitar and then if i remember correctly all of a sudden like a banjo lowers down and yeah, he plays like a, to do it. <laughs> yeah he plays like a solo on the banjo and then that's that's the end of it but um but yeah man i i love this record i i can assume you're not a big fan of tiny moving parts because i think we've kind of discussed this sort of realm of music and i know it's not really your cup of tea but did you get a chance to go through it in the past week
0: yeah, so this is yeah an album that I've, I've listened to because you've recommended it. I mean, I've seen the name a lot, and so I'm always kind of intrigued, like, oh, maybe am I missing out on something? And then I put it on, and it's like, there's a lot of cool stuff here, but just nothing I can kind of cling on to. Um, yeah, I think you described it really well. Yeah, I, I skipped through it today, and they're definitely one of those bands when I listen, and it's like, okay, I I know David likes this, <laughs> like it just kind of has that sound. I mean, that's not not yeah. a bad thing. But, there, there, I mean, there's lots of bands we've talked about where, you know, even, like, the Wonder Years where, you know, you really love them. I'm kind of a bit impartial to it. So, I mean, Tiny Moving Parts would be another one when I was listening to it. It's like, you know, in the right circumstance, I could listen to this, like maybe on a road trip or something, like maybe a bit more kind of in the background. But mm. it doesn't, like, get me, you know. It, it's, yeah, maybe, you know, saying noodly, um what did you call it? Noodly math Midwest well, yeah. kind of like <laughs> yeah. th- those aren't the, the types I'm drawn towards, but hundred percent. Yeah. But it is done in a way that like, it's not obnoxious to my ears. Like it was, you know, yeah. catchy enough and, and it is done really well. So I think, you know, in the right circumstance, I, I could enjoy it. And they're um, I did get to see them,
1: uh, live. They toured actually with the wonder years on that sister cities tour. And if, if the Wonder Years weren't so good, <laughs> like, cause they had a whole different kind of show, right? Like, yeah. you know, as far as lights and stuff were concerned, uh, tiny moving parts were lights out good. And the thing I love about them is that I can't, I can't say another band that sounds to my knowledge, that sounds like tiny moving parts. I know yeah, they're out cool. there. I'm sure they're out there, but like. In the formula that they work within, instead of it just being like elements of this, that, and the other, like what they've put together, I can't pinpoint another band that sounds like that. Whereas like probably every other band for the most part on my list, I could be like, oh yeah, well, you know, if you don't like this, but you want to get into something like this, try this band or whatever, right? right? Like tiny moving parts, just kind of do something. And the fact that they're a three piece blows my mind. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. You know,
1: and that, and that, yeah, like they're all technically gifted and that he's playing and singing at the same like i just can't even wrap my mind around that maybe the the like the the licks and the riffs are so chaotic enough that he's actually not good and he's he's just hitting things and able to sing because he's just making noise yeah <laughs> like that's the only way i can explain someone having the ability to be playing the things he's playing and singing at the same time is that he just actually doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> like it's it's unbelievable. But, um, yeah, I think that'll wrap up our episode part one on Hopeless Records, unless there was an album or two that you wanted to shout out real quick. but um, I, I didn't
0: we, have any. I mean, I see you've got uh, one other one here, if you want to I mention did, that. I was
1: going to say, I did have, um, as I was going through the list early on, uh, All Time Low, So Wrong It's Right. I'm not a big, like, All Time Low fan. That album I did really like. That was, I think, their first full length, maybe. Um, and it's one that still I'll kind of randomly go back to it obviously came out. They were a band that got big in the window of time when I really wasn't listening to pop punk so much. And I remember hearing the name all time low come up at some point and I was like, Oh, like, like the newfound glory song, which is exactly where they got the name from. And, uh, so I checked it out and now that first, one, I'm like, okay, like it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. They kind of definitely changed things over the years in a direction that I wasn't big on um and that's fine they can do that i think they had an album come out last year or maybe earlier this year or something that people were liking that i was like yeah you know like it's not for me i'll find something else to listen to but um yeah as i went through the hopeless list i like kind of jotted it down and then i mean as i as i kept going through i was like oh yeah it's it's getting wiped out and uh yeah so that was that was kind of it but so let's wrap it up um Go follow us on social media at Growing Punk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You'll find, as always, our personal Instagrams and Twitters there as well, growingpunkpod.com. Uh, you can find the episodes there and when we sometimes write things or everything's there. Episodes, YouTube videos, when we, you know, the odd time things get written, whatever. It's all at growingpunkpod.com. And of course, you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube and uh, wherever you're listening, subscribe, rate, review, thumbs up, whatever, whatever you got to do, you know, each... Three
0: thumbs up. Come on, people. Exactly. Each (laughs) each website
1: has their own thing. So do what you need to do on your website that you're on or app to help other people know about the show. Other than that, that will do it. So uh, goodbye, my friends.